Welcome to the Foundry Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Foundry Church or how to get involved, visit us at thefoundrychurch.com. Hey, Foundry Church, let me tell you what, I love a good redo. I love the undo button and the moments that we can recover what was lost, we can restore what was taken, uh, the moments where we get a second chance to fix the mistake. I just love it. For example, I was on vacation with some of my family this last week, and my nephew Simeon, every time we played the game Rubik's Cube, one of his favorites, every time he played or laid a tile, like, like in the game, he said, oh, I want that back. I, I didn't mean to make that move. And so being the good uncle that I am said, nope, you got to play it where it lies, buddy. Right? No redos here. I didn't give him any grace. But listen, I really do love a good redo. I love the time that one of my teachers wiped out all of our grades on a certain test because the whole class just bombed it right we failed and then he allowed us to retake the test and replace the old grade with the new grade i love it right i love the moments on the playground when the out that was called at second base proved to be a little unclear and a do-over was called i love the fact that you can select undo on a computer or on an app like when you're writing a sermon and you lose it and so you run to your wife and, and she fixes it by, by hitting command something, right? And it reappears. I love that. Right? However, no matter how much I love the undo button or a good redo, I've also learned there are, there are some things in life that you simply cannot undo. Right? Like you cannot, for example, unscramble eggs. You just can't do it. Right? You cannot unbake cookies, or in my case, you can not uneat them. Right? You, you cannot uncut hair. There are certain things in life that are just irreversible. Now, here's the deal, Foundry Church. As we follow the incredible big story through Scripture, what we are calling the long story short, we learn that Jesus, or we are learning that Jesus, our Lord, is in the business of reversing the irreversible. Listen, I mean, he made the, the lame people walk, uh, deaf people uh, hear, and the blind see. When one of his disciples cut off a man's ear, Jesus actually restored the ear. Right? He even brought a dead man to life. It's like the saying goes, right? Throughout history, look, take a look. The works of Jesus have shown us that we should never put a period where God puts a comma. We should never put a period where God puts a comma. And that applies to our lives as well. I mean, listen, think of the cross, right? That, that we started to talk about last week, right? We had Jesus there. On the cross, suspended between heaven and earth, he subjected to the abandonment of his friends and his followers and even his father in heaven. Abandoned. It is a powerful moment and a powerful image. It was the payment for our sin. 
It was the moment we were reconciled to God. Right? The cross was the ultimate plot twist and, and surprise ending to the story. And that's where we tend to leave Jesus. There. There on the cross. Right? And that's where we leave him. Think about it. Right? The, the central image of our faith tends to be a man on a cross. But the story doesn't end there. God was waiting in the wings, right? Waiting on the side to introduce yet another plot twist in the story. All right, so if you have your Bibles, let's look at this plot twist in the book of Luke as he records it. This doctor records it. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 8. Now, if you don't have a Bible, please use the Bibles that are in the seats that are in front of you. Those are for you to use and to take and to, to give away, to use, to study. Or you can download the Foundry Burke app at your favorite app store and uh, hit the Bible tab and it's right there for you. It'll only take a few seconds. All right, Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 8 says this. Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, and so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified, and they bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Right? Remember what he told you back in Galilee. Right? That the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Right, verse 8, right, the, the women slapped themselves in the head like this, and they said, all right, yes, we remember that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell the 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. Right, an amazing moment, an amazing plot twist. But here's the thing, some of us are so familiar with the story that we are immune to the shock value. Right? We already know what is going to happen. We know that they're walking to this tomb with spices and they're going to they're gonna, uh, finish burying Jesus and they get there, it's empty. We know that it's empty. That's why we have Easter. Even if you're not a Christian yet, you know that the tomb is empty. So when it happens, when we're reading this, we're not that surprised or excited or moved. Right? We do not have the reaction of of overwhelm because we are desensitized by overfamiliarization. Right? Psychologists call this phenomenon hindsight bias, right? Right? The whole story just seems more predictable every time we read it and therefore more dull and boring. When we read this story, we tend to think we're reading about which women who are on their way to get the news that Jesus is alive. Because that's what we know to happen, right? And we forget to read it as three women who are going to bury their dreams. That's what they're doing. I mean, take a moment and back up, right? On Friday night, Jesus died on the cross. He died on the cross. Mary watched as her son gasped his final breath. The disciples, they scattered. They knew it was over. Darkness covered the earth. The body of Jesus was placed in a borrowed tomb. 
all seemed lost. All hope was gone. The story it seemed had come to a, an end, an abrupt, sudden, disappointing end. The disciples walked away from families. The followers of Jesus walked away from friends and careers. They listened to Jesus promised the coming of a new kingdom, and they believed he was the Messiah and the Son of God. Their leader and their friend died. So they were asking these questions. Right? Take a look. They were asking questions like, what went wrong? How could the Messiah have been killed? Was he not who he said he was? Continue to think about it. Right? Two days later, a group of women walked to the tomb to prepare the body for burial. Right? Jesus was dead, and the women knew he was dead. They watched him die, like we said. Right? This, this point must be clearly understood, or the power and the wonder of this story, this plot twist, will be lost. Right? The one they had attached their hopes and their dreams to was lying in a tomb. So take a look at this. Right, the women walking to the tomb that day lived in a reality that fell far short of their expectations. The women walking to the tomb that day lived in a reality that fell far short of their expectations. Right, their expectations in no way matched the experience they were living. It just didn't match up. And so they were disappointed. Right, all of us have experienced uh, a moment where we wonder where God went or a, a moment where, where we're thinking, where is God when bad things happen to people, to good people, right? What do we do when we expect God to act one way, but our reality doesn't add up to our expectations? What do we do, right? What do we do when God doesn't seem to come through on his promises? We've been there. But then the impossible happened. All right, somehow along the way, the women had never taken note of the moments when Jesus had predicted his resurrection. So what they found was unimaginable. Instead of finding the body of their friend in the tomb, they were greeted by an angel with a question. All right, the, the question we read there in verse, verses 5 and 6 where it says, uh, The women were terrified and they bowed with their faces to the ground. And the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. And again, that's the biggest plot twist history has ever seen. Right? It's not just that Jesus was able to do the impossible. Take a look. Right? The whole point here is he reversed the irreversible. That's what he did. Our Lord reversed the irreversible. Our faith is not grounded in a bunch of religious rules and regulations. Our faith is grounded in a factual and historical event called the resurrection. Listen, Foundry Church. I want you to lean in and grab a hold of this. 2,000 years ago, the Son of God was crucified and buried and raised to life on the third day. And what I want you to see is that the resurrection is not something we celebrate once a year at Easter. Right? Take a, take a look. Really, grab 
a hold of this. The resurrection of Jesus our Lord is something that completely changes our life and is a reality we can walk in every day. It completely revolutionizes our outlook on life. Right? The, the resurrection wasn't God's course correction. It was his plan all along. The resurrection wasn't God's attempt to fix something that had gone wrong. He had been at work to fix what was broken from the very beginning. Remember the beginning? Right? It started with God revealing how good he was in the goodness of his creation. But then the world broke. When the man and the woman sinned, right? But here's the thing, hidden in the tragic consequences of the fall, that first sin was a promise, right? In the birthplace of brokenness, God did not abandon his creation. Instead, he made a promise. A day would come when the offspring of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. That's the promise. <laughs> Someday... Somehow, God would send one who would ultimately and completely vanquish the enemy. He's saying victory is coming. So, Foundry Church, the cross paid for our sin, but it wasn't the end of the story. The resurrection was the culmination of God's redemptive plans and purpose for his story, history. Right? Jesus did not just pay for our sin. He conquered sin and death. He kicked in the teeth of sin. The cross paid for our sins. The resurrection bought us life. The cross conquered sin, and the resurrection conquered the grave. Right? The, the resurrection gives us life, power, and hope. If we're forging our life on God, if we made him the Lord and the Savior of our life, we've accepted him. Right? The resurrection of him gives us life, power, and hope. Life power and hope let's take a, a moment to unpack these just a little bit we said first the resurrection gives us life right jesus said it himself i am the resurrection and the life the one who believes in me will live even though they die john 11 right take take a look in this right in jesus we experience life on earth and are promised life eternally the good news of Jesus is not just that we are saved from something, but we are saved to something. We are saved from sin and saved to a new way of living. Salvation doesn't just mean we get to live after death. Eternal life starts now. Abundant life. A life with purpose. Our best life. A life forged on God. Life. That resurrection brings it also brings this, right? The, the resurrection also gives us power, right? The book of Romans says the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, right? In the book of Ephesians, Paul says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is also at work within us. And let me say that again. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, right? Think about that for a moment. How often do we live in such a way that demonstrates we actually believe that idea is true? Right? If you're struggling with an old habit, a bad habit, remember that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you. If you call him your Lord, if you're following him. 
Right? If you aren't sure, you'll be able to walk through a job situation with honesty and integrity and character or a situation at school with honesty and integrity. Remember that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you when you have accepted his salvation. Right? If you feel like you can't hold your temper with your kids, remember that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you. It is the power to become more and more like him. It is the power to transform us from an old way of living to a new way of living. Listen, as Christians, as people forging their life on God, people who've accepted his salvation, we don't live differently in order to be saved. We live differently because we have been saved. We don't live differently in order to get God's favor, his blessings or things. We live differently because we already have God's favor and all that we need. We don't follow his commands in order to be granted new life. Right? We follow his commands because we walk in the power of a resurrected life. Becoming more and more like Jesus is the result of the Holy Spirit at work within us. Life and power. Resurrection brings it. And resurrection also gives us hope. Foundry Church. Right? Peter, the guy who abandoned Jesus on the night of his betrayal and then denied knowing him three times, would write this. Right? The guy who, who ran away like a little girl said this, In his great mercy, he gives me new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection means that anything is possible. If Jesus could die, be buried, and then come back to life, that means that nothing is impossible with God. Like we said, he can reverse the irreversible. The ultimate hope is described in the book of Revelation where it says this, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. What Jesus taught was extremely important. But what he did was the real game changer in history. Right? The, the, the cross was the, the payment for sin and the resurrection was the catalyst for us to experience new life. The foundation of the Christian faith is not ultimately in the teachings of Jesus, but in the resurrection of Jesus. The cross stands at the crossroads between sin and redemption. The resurrection stands at the crossroads between life and death. The cross pays for sin and the resurrection buys hope. In the resurrection, Jesus defeated death and showed us that God had a plan from the very beginning. The resurrection of Jesus is still bringing life, power, and hope today. And it wasn't just for a few dozen people who lived thousands of years ago. We don't just have the testimony of a few fishermen and a few women about the power of the resurrection. Millions of people can stand up and attest to the hope that they have found in the resurrection. Jesus just didn't just predict his death. He predicted his resurrection and he followed through. No one in history has ever done that. No other religion can claim that. No one but Christianity. Jesus. That alone makes him worth following, forging our life upon it. He's still in the business today of reversing the irreversible. 
That one moment in history has changed all of history, and it brings life, power, and hope. So as we get ready to continue to worship through song and proclaim how good he is, let me ask you this question. What does that mean for your life today? What does it mean that our Lord is in the business of reversing the irreversible? Right? This is a reality that is just as rele- relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. The cross restores your relationship to the creator. The resurrection changes the rest of your story. Right? Maybe you need to turn a new chapter in your life today. Right? Maybe you've never even stopped at the cross. You haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord, your Savior, accepted his grace, have been saved. Do that today. We're having a baptism Sunday in a few weeks. Close that loop. Recognize that Jesus came to rescue you and restore you. Then let that life, hope, and power of the resurrection fill your life. Let's stand and worship together.